Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for May the 4th through May the 10th. I uh, hope that you are doing well out there, enjoying some beautiful spring weather if you're in the northern hemisphere. Um, we've got some interesting astrology to talk about this week, uh, including a full moon in the sign of Scorpio, so the opposition of the sun in Taurus to the moon in Scorpio. So we're going to be building to that this week. Um, before that happens, on Monday the 4th, well, Mercury is going to be uh, conjoining the Sun in its superior conjunction, which we call Mercury Kazemi. So this will be Mercury getting kind of a, a rebirth, so to speak, or the full moon type of phase for Mercury. Um, there were two, there's two conjunctions of Mercury, the inferior and the superior conjunction. And this one is when it's moving direct. So we'll, we'll talk about that and what that means and the shift of Mercury from being a morning star to an evening star, and some of the ramifications that may have for uh, the next important thing that we're going to be experiencing, which is a nodal shift. So the nodes of the moon, the north and the south node, Rahu and K2 respectively, are shifting uh, into Gemini and Sagittarius respectively. And the nodes only shift signs once every 18 months or so. So this will be quite a big shift in our energetic patterns that we're going to be experiencing in what kind of energy is coming into existence and what kind of things are losing steam. We'll talk about, we'll do a deep dive into the meaning of the nodes. I've been doing some research on that, um, in particular with some work from Judith Hill, who I appreciate quite a bit. And uh, we'll kind of start to try to unpack the meaning of what kind of experiences we may be uh, undertaking with this new nodal access we're experiencing that begins on Tuesday the 5th. Uh, on Thursday the 6th, Mercury will be making a sextile to Neptune at 20 degrees of Taurus and Pisces, and we'll also be experiencing our full moon uh, at 17 degrees of Scorpio, opposite 17 degrees of Taurus. Um, the first aspect the moon makes after uh, escaping from under the bond at this full moon lunation is in opposition with Venus at 21 degrees of Gemini. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, Venus this week is slowing down and about to turn retrograde next week. In fact, we have many retrogrades happening next week. I believe that Jupiter, Venus, um, and uh, what else is going retrograde? I can't remember, but we'll we'll look at we'll look at it as we go along in the week ahead. But many things are changing uh, over the course of the next two weeks. Oh yeah, Mars is going to be moving into a new sign. Um, I believe we are also experiencing a shift. Let me look at my notes here. Boy, boy. Oh, so Venus is stationing retrograde next week. Uh, Saturn is Saturn. That's it. Saturn trying to get me. Saturn will be stationing retrograde at one degree Aquarius. Jupiter will be stationing retrograde at 27 degrees Capricorn. Mars is moving into Pisces. Mercury is moving into Gemini, but I'm getting ahead of myself because that's next week. So really this week we're going to be preparing for a, a, a really big energetic shift as we're moving through the middle of our month. So, um, you know, We'll get to the next week's stuff, but let's talk about the, the here and now uh, while we can. On Saturday, uh, May 9th, uh, Mercury will be trining retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. And then on Sunday, 
we're going to have a trine from Mercury to Jupiter at 27 degrees of Taurus to Capricorn. And then the sun will be sextiling Neptune um, from 20 degrees of Taurus to 20 degrees of Pisces. As I'm recording this on Sunday, the 3rd of May, um, Venus is perfecting a square to Neptune. So we might get some details confused here, but we'll try to navigate it the best that we can and use our intuitive faculties to, to transcend all of it and rise above the challenges. All right, so let's share our screen here. Hope that you're all doing well out there in quarantine land. Uh, it's getting really nice out. Maybe it's good to get some sunshine and take a little break from your worries, you know, get the cheers theme going and, you know, making your way in the world today, right? Takes everything you got. Getting away from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? I know I would. All right. So new decans this week, if we, as you can see on my screen here, we're going to be seeing uh, Mercury moving into the third decan of Taurus. Um, and we'll talk about uh, the seven of pentacles. And also the sun is moving into the third decan of Taurus just barely at the end of the week. So the, thir the third decan of Taurus and the seven of pentacles is going to weigh heavily in our, in our forecast this week. Um, that's the only, those are the only ones that are, are shifting uh, decanic placement this week. Uh, essential dignities for the week. The sun is going to be moving through Taurus 2 and Taurus 3, where it is peregrine, where it is uh, devoid of dignity. Okay, so it doesn't, it doesn't have any essential dignity, so it is a wandering, basically a wandering star, and that was a difficult placement in, in the traditional system, which is interesting because the, the uh, hexagram that I pulled for this week was called traveling. Uh, which I think could be similar to being peregrine. It's like you're in a space that is unfamiliar to you. You don't really know what the customs of the area that you're in uh, are. Uh, you are feeling maybe a little bit out of place, and maybe we're starting to feel a little bit out of place, and uh, we feel that there's something about to shift, but we don't know exactly what's coming next. And uh, the changing line that I got with this hexagram was the the bottom line, and this talked about um, getting distracted by the trivial details and failing potentially to see the big picture. One of, one of the translations that I uh, looked at, and I will quote, it says, absorbed with trivialities, the traveler leaves his dwelling courting disaster. Uh, that's interesting. And this changing line is changing the hexagram to 30, which is called clarity or synergy. Um, so just thinking about that in context of what's going on here, we've got a peregrine sun in Taurus where it really isn't, we're not really feeling uh, in place in, in the quarantine and we're maybe wanting to, to get out of it. Um, but it may be a, a time where we really don't have a lot of clarity yet about what the next steps in the process are going to be. And I'm, I'm taking this, this hexagram and thinking about it in context of what's going on and a lot of states wanting to reopen and rejoin society. And, um, and I think that one of the things that I mean, it seems pretty obvious is we may be absorbed with some trivial things that we're getting frustrated with, uh, maybe some material things. And we may be rushing the process and rushing into 
potentially some setbacks and some some disasters. It says, by leaving his dwelling, we are courting disaster. I mean, that's pretty literal. And potentially by leaving our, our homes and leaving our quarantine too early, we may be uh, setting ourselves up for some for some failure and for some challenging repercussions down the road. And the astrology supports this with all of the retrogrades that are going to be happening, and especially the Mars retrograde that's going to be happening uh, at the end of the summer that's going to be squaring all of our Capricorn placements, Jupiter and Pluto. Um, so I think I've said this in the last few weeks, but uh, leaving quarantine too quickly is going to have some snapback. And we're going to probably be experiencing some pretty heavy consequences from getting too fixated on some of the smaller details of our situation and not seeing them within the larger context of our lives. I think that, you know, just if I'm going to think about this in the big picture, we're being asked to do something for the good of, of, the, of the whole, for the good of the community, and for the long term. And uh, we've had a lot of uh, snapback and a lot of protest and a lot of rebellion against uh, this kind of experience that we're having. Um, and we've seen this in my home state of Michigan, too, with armed gun gunmen uh, storming the capital of Michigan and uh, bringing their semi-automatic weapons into the state capital and um, the doors to the floor of the of the Senate, the state Senate, need to being needing to be barricaded by state police and and by uh, government officials, uh, so that these people would not interrupt the lawmaking procedures that were going on. Um, some pretty challenging imagery that's come out in the last week or so, uh, week or two, and yeah, it's been hitting close to home since this is some the place that I live in and it's um it's frustrating I will admit on a personal note it's frustrating seeing seeing that and uh I I understand that there are definitely some uh some challenges to all this and people are scared people are afraid of losing their livelihood losing some of their uh, freedoms and some of their rights and they understandably want to get back to uh, what they considered a normal existence. And I think that one thing to, to take into consideration, if, that's, if, that's, if you're falling on that more extreme end of the, uh, of the spectrum, is, you know, I think everybody feels that way. And I, I don't think that you're alone. Um, I think that, that it's important, though, to see this within the context of the big picture. And that's really what the, the hexagram of the week was saying, 56, traveling moving, changing lines to 30, clarity. And hopefully if we're able to see the details within the big picture, we will be able to make choices that are uh, in, in our best interest. Now, that being said, I, I, I don't know if I actually have faith in that happening. One of the things I'm starting to accept as an astrologer is that I can say all these things and there will be a certain segment of the population that will maybe f follow some of these teachings and and there will be another segment of the population that's completely unaware and ignorant of these types of symbolism and are going to play out maybe even the opposite end of it. And that's kind of just the divine human drama that we're having to experience. And that's something that's been challenging to accept as an astrologer 
sometimes when we can see what's going on, um, that doesn't mean that we always necessarily can do anything about it. <laughs> like, no, that sounds sort of fatalistic. Um, and I, I don't think that it's 100% true that we can't do anything about it. But I think that there will be some bigger things than, than us that are playing out. And I guess what we have to do is see how we can, what can we do in our own small corner of the universe, right? What we, can we do in our own personal lives? And I think also, how can we prepare ourselves mentally for some of the changes that are coming so that if we have this foreknowledge, we have this um, pronoia, how do we uh, react? How do we uh, take care of ourselves in a healthier way when we know that these are some of the things that are going to play out within the collective? I think that's the, the key. And maybe what, what I think maybe what doing this as, as an exercise can do is maybe help us have just a healthier mental health and maybe make some slightly better decisions within the moment uh, knowing these things. And I think that that's the that's where I'm going to fall on that end of the spectrum. And yeah, but I feel you. If you're one of those folks out there that's like, well, what can I do? And I just, I feel so helpless. Um, I think that's, that's definitely a valid concern. And we'll, we'll talk about what we can do as we get into the third decan of Taurus, because I think that there's some, some answers within the third decan of Taurus. And that's another long-winded explanation of the sun in Taurus 2 and 3. <laughs> I could do these in the middle of our essential dignities. Um, actually, just, just one last thing on that. Uh, the card that I pulled for this week, and I, I want to tell you these at the beginning so we have everything else in context and come back to it. The card that I pulled just randomly, I, I'm pulling a card of the week and I'm doing a hexagram of the week and seeing if we can put tie everything together that we're talking to. And the card this week is the Eight of Cups, which is talking about leaving behind material success in search of some kind of spiritual reality, maybe going off into uh, an internal experience, leaving something behind in search of some sort of transcendent reality. And that may be what we're required to do too, because if we keep pursuing the same material structures we may find that they are no longer there and able to support us. And I think that that's really the bigger picture that we're looking at with this astrology as we're heading towards the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the winter solstice and a new set of elemental conjunctions, a new societal way of operating, a new paradigm, a new epoch. And I think that what we're going to be seeing is that we're going to need to leave behind some of the material structures that are showing us, showing us as a collective that are no longer supporting us in the way that is healthy for the most amount of people. We've got a lot of material inequality right now, and that's starting to peak. And we may have to leave behind some of the old ways of doing things to find peace and to find uh, equality and to find equity in what we're doing. So, yeah. So Saturn is still in the first decan of Aquarius, moving through its own domicile, slowing way down this week as it's about to turn retrograde at the beginning of next week. And then it'll slip back into Capricorn very shortly. So we're going to see some 
themes re-emerging from the Saturn-Pluto conjunction we, we experienced at the beginning of the year. Um, we're getting a little taste of, of Saturn in Aquarius, and we may shift our focus temporarily before Saturn settles in in its own domicile and its own triplicity uh, with the, with its, it is the triplicity ruler or the trigon ruler of the air signs by day. Uh, Saturn will be moving through the terms of Mercury. So this Mercury Kazemi moment is going to be important for Saturn as well um, because it's going to be setting the curriculum for Saturn. Um, I didn't talk about the terms of the sun, but the terms of the sun, it's going to be on the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 22 degrees this week. Jupiter itself will be moving through the third decan of Capricorn, where it's in its fall. Um, remember, we've been saying that Jupiter has been in really rough shape over the last few weeks or months as Jupiter has been moving through the, the domicile of Saturn. It's at the bottom of the wheel of fortune or in its depression. It's trying to bring unification. It's trying to bring spirituality. It's trying to bring abundance, but it's uh, not being given the, those resources um, in a very functional manner when it's in its fall. It'll be moving through the terms of Mars this week from 26 to 30 degrees. So again, a difficult time for Jupiter. And it's also going to be slowing down and stationing retrograde next week. So all the planets are kind of slowing to a halt. At least Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus are. And Pluto is already retrograde right now. So a lot of the themes that we've been experiencing over the past few months, we're going to have to review them and potentially uh, redo them. And it might be due to some, some actions that we took that were a little bit premature. Mars is going to be moving through the third decan of Aquarius, where it is on its own terms from 20 to 25 degrees, and it'll be on the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. So again, we've got a malefic having moving through a malefic set of bound lords, and that was where the, uh, you know, think of it like the middle school teacher that's setting the curriculum for the planet and saying, you're going to have to do things my way. Uh, so Mars being in the terms of uh, its own terms to start the week off, um, it's a very strong Mars, um, but then it's going to be kind of having to think about the long term as it moves into the, the terms of Saturn. And it'll probably, its energy will slow down a little bit. We may have a little bit more of a speedier Mars right now, but it's going to kind of get a little bit of a reality check as it moves through the bounds of, of Saturn. Uh, Venus is going to be moving through the third decan of Gemini from 20 to 21 degrees this week, and it's going to be preparing to slow down for its retrograde station. It's moving through the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees, so a little bit of an uncomfortable bound ruler for Venus, diff making it difficult potentially to find consensus Another thing that we've had really going on for quite some time is we've had this trine between Venus and Mars that is wanting to perfect or wanting to uh, come into a connection, but it's being held back in, in some fashion. It is never going to get there because before Venus can make its connection or its trine to Mars, it's going to station retrograde and then Mars is going to move on and, and it's, it's never going to make it. So there's this kind of like heaviness in the air, this feeling of we want something to, 
to happen, but, but we're being held in check by some kind of external detail that we might not quite understand yet. We want to come into harmony with something, but it's just, it's just not happening. And this is because of this kind of feeling of we're moving towards something, but right when we think we're going to get it, it's going to be pulled back. And I really think that this may be another thing where we think that we're going to be able to rejoin society and then some more information may come to light that shows that, nope, it's, it's, it's going to be extended a little bit longer. I know in my home state, they've extended the stay-at-home order to the middle of the month and the state of emergency was extended till the end of the month. Um, I believe if, if my sources are correct, that the, the, uh, the numbers and the death toll and the number of cases is still increasing in many, many places. And um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to find uh, good information out there. I think that's another thing that we're experiencing with the um, shift towards the air sign conjunctions is information is, is really the, the, the golden goose right now. Instead of really having to control all the land and the physical resources, you know, he or she who, who controls the information is, is the king at this point. And we're going through a period of time where it's really difficult to find truth and reality because uh, there's a lot of folks out there that, are, that want to distort the, uh, the information that we're getting or hold it back or, you know, control the narrative. So uh, I empathize with those of you who are feeling frustrated with trying to figure out what the actual truth is because I think that's one of the, th the things we're going to be tasked with is really figuring out what the reality of our situation is and how do we trust our sources. And, and that can come uh, create challenges in a lot of different directions. So that being said, that is the domain of Mercury, the, uh, the Mercury being the messenger, the divine messenger that's trying to uh, deliver the information that we're, that we're receiving. And Mercury will be moving through the second decan of Taurus and into the third decan at the end of the week. It's, it has three different bound rulers this week. Uh, it'll be on the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 22 degrees, the terms of, Mar of sorry, from Saturn from 22 to 27, and then the terms of Mars from 28 to 30 degrees. So again, Jupiter is going to be moving through some malefic bound lords at the end of the week, which may be a little bit more challenging for our communication. We may see some more... Um, some more inflammatory communication and, and potentially some more some messages that may be some cold hard reality that we have to come to terms with when it's moving through the terms of of Saturn. Uh, yeah, Mercury also is going to be going Kazemi this week, direct. Uh, it's going to be making its superior direct conjunction, uh, and I'll break that down when we go into the daily. Uh, the Moon this week is waxing from the gibbous phase to the full moon and then begins to wane again. Uh, it's moving through, uh, uh, the moon is going to be moving through Virgo where it has triplicity rulership in the nighttime. It will be, it will have dignity by face in the first decan of Libra and then it will be in its fall at the full moon in Scorpio. It will have dignity by face in the second decan of Sagittarius and then it will move into its exile uh, in Capricorn, where it also has some dignity as the triplicity or trigon ruler of the earth signs at night. So that's our essential dignity report. A meandering essential dignity report. 
Let's go into the dailies here. All right. Let's get the, the sun on the ascendant here. All right, so a couple things that are going on on Monday, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> it's, it's always a fun day, right? Um, the moon will be moving from Virgo into the sign of Libra at 3.09 a.m. in the waxing gibbous phase. Um, we have one lunar aspect where the moon will be making a trine to Saturn right after it moves into Libra. Um, you could see that here. The moon is in the superior position. So we may be uh, manifesting some kind of agreement or negotiation or trying to manifest that with the moon attempting to bring something into being and having to go back and forth about the pros and cons of what we're experiencing or what we are proposing to do. Um, Mercury is the big, the big story of the day though. If I'm going to move my chart forward. Okay. You can see right here at about five in the evening, five forty, we have Mercury in the heart of the sun. And this is a position where, and there's different authors that have different opinions on this. In the Hellenistic system, generally they said that when, when Mercury was within one degree of the sun, it was said to be Kazemi or in the heart or the furnace of the sun. Um, some medieval authors uh, only give an orb of 17 minutes, which is a very, it's a much smaller portion of the degree. Um, but generally what we're seeing here is the transition from Mercury rising above, or bef be I'm sorry, from Mercury rising before the sun at the ascendant to Mercury rising after. And that is the transition from the morning star to the evening star. So here we have the morning star, okay? And down here, Mercury will be the evening star. And this is called the superior conjunction. That means that Mercury is conjoining the sun, okay, from a position earlier in the zodiac as the morning star. It is direct in motion, so that's important too. And when it conjoins with the sun uh, from the superior conjunction, it is moving very fast. It's much, much slower when it conjoins the sun at the inferior conjunction, which is retrograde. So we have a very fast Mercury that's conjoining at 14 degrees of Taurus, the second decan of Taurus. And this is a very active Mercury. Um, it's, it's much more uh, able, it's much, it, it's in better condition and able to achieve better outcomes than at the inferior conjunction. Now, there's some argument on this. Some people think that each of the conjunctions is the beginning of a new Mercury synodic cycle. Um, I believe Demetra George, the one that I do most of my research with synodic cycles, believes that this is sort of a full moon type of experience for the Mercury cycle. We had a new Mercury cycle at um, the inferior conjunction. I don't quite remember the date on that. I believe 
I believe, man, I didn't get that one in my notes. Um, I wanted, I want to know what the date is on this. So I'm going to step my chart back a little bit. Sorry for the loosey goosiness of the, of all this this week. But sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, we had an inferior conjunction in Pisces around five, four or five degrees, right? So, and that was back in late February. So here we're seeing sort of a full moon phase of what was begun in late February. And if you think about this in the context of world events, in late February, we started to get more information about the coronavirus and what that would mean for our, for our, you know, our reality here and our, our shared experience. And now we may have some kind of peak of this experience. So we're not out of the woods yet, but we may be at a, a, a turning point, a tipping point, where we may really be starting, hopefully, to understand what we're dealing with and what we're going to be asked to do in response. Uh, remember, when this first started, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of denial from certain parties. There was uh, a lot of downplaying of the severity and a lot of like shifting from, you know, this, is, this isn't that big of a deal. It's just the flu. And then, you know, changing their story and their narrative. So this may be another peak point in this where people are, you know, the weather's starting to get warm. It's getting nice out. People have been out of work for a, a period of time. Uh, some of the resources set aside may be starting to dry up, like some of those small business loans. I believe that I read some quotes from Republican lawmakers that they would extend unemployment uh, benefits over their dead bodies. Uh, so it sounds like there's some leadership in America, at least, that is not wanting to um, extend some of the safety valves or the, uh, you know, the resources that uh, may make it uh, possible for people to, to stay home and to, to keep themselves safe. And I'm sure that that's probably starting to get frustrating for a lot of people. And um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, remember, this, this second decan of Taurus is represented by the Six of Pentacles. So this is about uh, charity, about f fertility, about consistent effort over time. And this may be something where we're being asked to make a plan to be more consistent over, over the long haul here and to have patience and to have uh, endurance. Um, we can't just do one big thing. Like, like if you think about it in terms of, of cultivating a garden, you can't just plant the seed and water it five gallons and then never water it again that will create decay. Uh, just as like if we're thinking about re-entering society, you can't just, you know, say, well, we did this for two weeks, now it's over with, and now we're going to go back to normal, right? No, we may have to uh, roll these changes out uh, a little bit at a time and, and rejoin things a little bit at a time. And if we do rush things, if we do try to over-fertilize something, if we do try to over-water it, we create decay and we may have to start all over again with a new plant start. And I, I can't stress that enough. Um, 
And this isn't just like my personal opinion or anything like that. This is viewing the symbolism within the astrology and trying to make a connection with how this is playing out in the collective. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm from on a personal note, I am, I'm frustrated too. And I think my frustration is coming from people not following the rules and, and not doing what is in the best interest of the collective and, and doing what is only in their own best interest. And then seeing and, and having a pretty good uh, idea that that's going to reset the clock. And that's frustrating on this end of the, of the story. Because um, it feels like that, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you out there have been making a lot of sacrifices and doing the right thing and doing what is in the be best interest of your community. And I'm sure that you're probably feeling just as much frustration right now, seeing the, the subsection of your, of your, your brothers and sisters that aren't willing to do the same for you. And, and, and I feel you on that. And I, I want to know, I want to tell you that you're, I recognize the good work that you're doing. If you're, you know, some of the ones that are, you know, trying to help. So we should, we should acknowledge that too, because there are definitely helpers out there that are doing great things right now. It's not just the, the, I think sometimes the, the ones that are misbehaving are the loudest. <laughs> we can tend to focus on that. And I have to be careful of that too. Um, so Venus becoming the evening star. Venus is maybe going into the underworld. Uh, she is, are he or she, they, <laughs> Venus, I'm sorry, not Venus, Mercury. Mercury is very amb ambiguous and has some androgyny to it. And this may be a time where, where a lot of the plans that we're making are sort of going uh, more underground. They're not as actively visible. Um, but I do think planning nonetheless is one of the themes for this. So this is a great time, I think on a personal level, to start to figure out how you are going to cultivate your life and the new, um, the new, I hate to use that word, the new normal this isn't normal, um, but how are you going to cultivate your, your new reality that you're experiencing? And how are you going to uh, bring fertility into your life? And, and what does that mean? Maybe that means starting from a different position, from a different expectation. I think that's really healthy at this point is we can't base our future plans on past results at this point. Because the future that we're moving into is going to be vastly different than the one that we've known. And the, I think an additional frustration is that we don't exactly know what the future is going to look like, and that makes it difficult for us to plan for it. And I hear you on that, and that is a very valid concern. Um, I'm trying to do my best to give you some heads up as to what, what it might look like. Um, but again, I, I only can read the symbols, and I'm constantly being surprised by how those things are playing out as well. But I will say, on Monday, around 5.40 p.m., we are getting this new burst of energy with Mercury. Mercury is becoming renewed. And it may be something where we are. Uh, it takes a little time to take shape, especially as Mercury starts to uh, separate from the Kazemi moment. It may feel like it's a little bit difficult to get started, but once it escapes from the beams and make it, makes its appearance as the evening star, we may have a better idea of what it's all going to look like. So there may be some things happening behind the scenes right now, that, that you, or you may be making some plans behind the scenes. And those plans should include uh, 
figuring out how to be consistent over time. I know that's something that's going on in my personal life right now too. I'm getting used to like working from home and having my family here and figuring out how to be the most productive. And I don't know about you, but I'm spending so much time indoors. It's making me want to like really rearrange my space so that it's just something different and rearrange my schedule so that maybe I can be a little bit more productive. And, and that may be a good way to use this on a personal level is if you feel like you want to make a new start in some way, maybe you need to get rid of some of the clutter in your space. Maybe you need to rearrange your workspace. Maybe you need to make yourself a schedule that will help you to be more productive now that you've lived with this for a little while and you see some of the patterns that you naturally fall into and the natural rhythms that you have. Um, and I think that would be really healthy this week is, is figuring out how to work with the new rhythms that you may be a part of. Okay, let's move forward to Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. The moon will be moving through Libra uh, in its waxing gibbous phase where we are refining things for, our, uh, for the flowering at the full moon. And really the big news of the day is the nodes are going to be shifting. And, excuse me, we do have a couple lunar aspects this, on this day. The moon will be making a trine to Venus at 12.23 p.m., 20 degrees. Uh, it will be squaring retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees of Libra and Capricorn at 7.04 p.m. And then it'll make a trine to Mars at 25 degrees, and it will square Jupiter at 27 degrees of Libra and Capricorn at 10.30 p.m. So sort of a mixed bag with the, with the aspects. We have a, a couple trines with Venus and Mars and some squares with Jupiter and Pluto. So both of those things are going to play into our experience. Um, but the big news of the day and one th that I wanted to spend some time on is, is the nodal shift. And on my chart, you can see we've got these little like loop looking things like hula hoop type looking things. And those are called the nodes of the moon. Now, every planet has a node. And what is the node? So that is an interesting question. What is the nodes? Or what are the nodes? What is they? <laughs> like, um, and the nodes are, are, are they're not planets. Um, they're not physical bodies. They are points where a planet or the moon will pass over uh, the ecliptic and and start to ascend uh, and the, or start to descend over the the pass of the earth's orbit so the ecliptic is where the the earth is passing is the uh, the path of the uh, of the earth around the sun and this is a point where we have kind of a uh, I believe that they in Latin they called this uh, a node a node means a knot so this is where we are tied to, uh, I guess you could call it karma or manifestation energy. This is where we're kind of seeing the moon. And the moon in particular is, is a body that brings things into being and brings things out of being. And that's really what the nodes of the moon are, are all about. Uh, they are places where we are experiencing increase and for the north node and experiencing decrease with the south node. Now, there's a, a number of different ways of approaching the nodes, and I will say that the best book that I've come across um, is one by Judith Hill, and it's called The Lunar Nodes, Your Key to Excellent Chart Interpretation. And she goes over the nodes from a Western perspective, 
which is a little bit more about this is your dharma. This is what you're supposed to grow into. Uh, this is what you're supposed to leave behind with the north and the south node. Uh, and the, the eastern, more Hindu perspective, where uh, we, we think of these nodes as being uh, the head and the tail of a dragon. And that dragon is, uh, has, is a severed head. I believe the story goes is that uh, we had a dragon that stole the elixir of life and tried to uh, steal immortality from the gods. And that's not allowed. So uh, one of the deities severed the dragon's head, and that head became Rahu, that was continually trying to consume the lights in revenge. And the tail became Ketu, which it was uh, processing and was kind of a place of excreting. It was the great anus of the universe. So we have a, a hungry mouth, and we have an anus. <laughs> so, that's, so that's an interesting way of thinking about things. Um, they also said that, that Rahu was of the nature of Jupiter, of increase, and Ketu was the nature of Saturn, decrease. Now, in Eastern culture, uh, they tend to uh, think of the South Node as being more desirable because that is the one that is helping you to learn to let go and maybe to increase your spiritual consciousness through um, letting go of material reality. Now, in the West, that is something that is a little bit reversed since we tend to be afraid of letting go of things. Uh, we, we glorify things like increase and accumulation and uh, fame and glory. And uh, so there's two different viewpoints. Um, I'm not necessarily going to make like a judgment on which is right or wrong, um, but I do think that we are seeing some of the repercussions of, of uh, focusing exclusively on on increase in growth in Western civilization right now and some of the, the consequences of doing that. Um, the nodes spend about 18 to 19 months in one particular set of signs, and they've been moving through Cancer and Capricorn, so that we've, been, we've had an, an axis that we've been trying to balance over the last 18 to 19 months or so. And we had the North Node, the point of increase in Cancer, and the south node in Capricorn. So where was the energy coming in? What was increasing? Well, domesticity, uh, staying at home, <laughs> like family, emotional sensitivity, compassion. What was decreasing? Uh, being out in the world, hierarchy, material reality, uh, material resources, uh, government, uh, was you know this is these are all things that were uh, represented by Capricorn and Saturn, uh, and we're experiencing old karma with you know death. Uh, so this is something, and, and it's it's played out in pretty obvious ways. I mean, we've all been required to stay home and spend time with our families. So that's North Node in Cancer. That is something that has been increasing. Um, we've seen. Uh, the powers that be around the world, like having some difficulty. We've seen the corruption and abuse of power in a lot of our, a lot of our governments and the, and the dysfunction of a lot of them being brought to light throughout this crisis. So that's another experience. So examining the, the previous nodal axis can potentially give us some insight into what we're going to be experiencing as they shift signs. Now, the last time that we had the the, no the north node in Gemini 
was from October of 2001 to March of 2003. Now, if you're familiar with this time frame, this is directly after uh, 9-11, where in the United States, the Twin Towers were uh, run into by you know, terrorist planes and they collapsed into the ground. And we, everything that happened after that was basically the fallout. So learning from our history, we can kind of get an idea of what we might be experiencing going forward. Um, so what is increasing? Well, Gemini is the domicile, the diurnal domicile of Mercury, whereas Sagittarius is the domicile of Jupiter. So everything mercurial is going to be increasing, whereas things of the nature of Jupiter will be being processed and being, you know, some experiencing a power outage, so to speak. Here, here's a nice list from Judith Hill. She says, the North Node is a power surge towards the world, an entrance, present time, striving, gain, greed, physically strong, materialistic, the door into this world, successful, worldly consciousness, a Dharma point, ambitious, energetic, selfish. Okay, so this is something we may be consuming, more mercurial things. Whereas the South Node is a power outage towards the eternal, an exit, pastime, memory, loss, generosity, physically weak, wise, deep, and insightful, the door into the internal, anonymous, invisible, spiritual consciousness, karmic debt payment, retiring or tired or selfless. So this, these are maybe two areas where we may have some strong desires towards the Gemini areas of our chart. Uh, energy may be coming in. We may be uh, desiring more mercurial, communicative things. Um, and we may be experiencing a power outage in the Sagittarius-ruled area of our chart. We may be moving more towards uh, a destabilization or an uncertainty. Remember, Mercury in the Hellenistic system, according to Robert Schmidt, represented destabilization. It was something that wanted to divide things into categories. Whereas Jupiter was confirmation and stability, it wanted to unify things. It was seeing the big picture. It was seeing, it was unifying the whole, whereas Mercury was uh, dividing things up. And I think that one of the things that we're going to be experiencing with Mercury uh, getting uh, Mercury's domicile, seeing an increase, is a lot more divisiveness, a lot more uh, uh, an increase in, in wanting to split things into little categories. Um, what could be decreasing? Well, we could potentially be seeing the leaning towards uh, meaning or spirituality being decreased. We could see the decrease or old karma with, with religious dogma with being attached to one ideology. Uh, and that could, be, that could be where we were experiencing something dangerous. Where, and this is true from uh, at 9-11 too. We had a, uh, at 9-11, um, the story goes is that we had some religious extremism that caused a, a great deal of violence. And then a great deal of paranoia, another signification of the South Node in K2, fear and paranoia around people of different religions or different spiritual faiths. And that was, a, that was really what defined a lot of the time after September 11th 
was basically people being afraid, especially in America, afraid of, of, of people who, of the Muslim faith. And really a lot of those people being persecuted unfairly. Um, and that may be something we're heading into too, is like something where people are feeling persecuted because of their faith or their beliefs. Um, and we're seeing an increase in this divisiveness. Um, we could also see increase in, in modes of communication. Uh, we could see different methods of commerce start, start, start to come around. Mercury was also associated with the way that we exchange goods and services. Um, this was a precursor time around the uh, 2001, 2003 to a lot of the social media that we are experiencing. Now, I went back and did some research on the birth of some of our things like Facebook and MySpace and uh, Twitter and YouTube. And interestingly enough, because I, I thought that these would have been the times where we would have been experiencing the birth of these things, but it actually came slightly after the time of the nodes in Gemini. Uh, I believe that the first of those were um, MySpace was created in 2003. And, but I think that what we may be seeing is the, the gestation of these new types of communication that we may see come into manifestation potentially a little bit further down the road. So I'm not exactly sure what else was happening around that period of time, but I know the internet was becoming much more ubiquitous. Many, much, many more people were using it to do business and were, there was, a, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe that was the dot-com bubble where we saw a lot of online businesses uh, starting to flourish. Um, so those could be more things that we could be experiencing as well. Now, one thought that I had that came into mind was that, uh, and this is just from viewing what we have going on in our own country right now, um, a lack of unity, uh, a destabilization where we are getting fixated on some of the details and some of the smaller parts uh, to the detriment of the whole. And that we're seeing now that in America in particular, as we move into this nodal, nodal shift, uh, the states have been uh, kind of left to their own devices by our, the federal government and, and been told to kind of basically take care of their own needs. And there's been a lot of conflict between uh, the unified federal government, which might be more akin to Jupiter, um, and the states and, the, and how they're divided up. And we may see that destabilization increasing. We may see states um, being left even more to their own devices. I, I don't know. There's been some rumblings that some states would like to leave the union. And I think that's a potential reality that may happen. I, I'm not necessarily predicting that that's going to be exactly what happens, but I, I do think that you're going to see um, different unified entities being split up and, and being asked to, uh, you know, I don't know, do things on, on their own without the support of some unified structure. And that may be increasing. Um, we may also be moving more towards uh, a more intellectual consciousness where we're trying to ask more questions about things. Gemini was a, a great, is a great sign, and Mercury is all about asking questions about more ambiguity in the world and less certainty. I think that that's what we may see with the South Node in Sagittarius is a decrease in our certainty about the world. Because right now we've been experiencing this like, I know what's best 
and this is what I believe, and I'm going to stick with this because that's the way that my belief structure has told me it should be. And we may really have to re-examine a lot of our, our cherished beliefs over this next few years with the nodes moving through here and, and start to really uh, ask questions almost like the heretic. Gemini, this, the, the sign of Gemini and Mercury was associated with the heretic where they were um, questioning the orthodox systems and saying, what is the true essence of this? Is this really serving uh, spiritual truth? And are these um, rituals that we have been attached to, are they serving an actual lived truth of the matter? And I think you're going to see that in the, in the years ahead as well. All right. Um, I think that's mostly what I've got for the nodes. I'll read you one other passage in the end of her book here that I think will sum it up. And this is about having this in your natal chart, but if, let's th see if we can think of this um, as a collective as well. It says, you'll benefit from developing your intellect, talents, ideas, and communication skills. Writing and speaking may prove successful. Curiosity, games, hand skills, and mental flexibility are good for you. Read widely, write, learn languages. Exercises that strengthen personal hand-eye and limb coordination are excellent. Enhance your improvisational skills. Following groupthink or religion may be an undoing for you. They said that the South Node was a point of self-undoing, so that may be something where we're seeing an undoing through, through that kind of groupthink. Many natives of this polarity are naturally wary or repulsed by organized religion. Still others are prone to exceptional religiosity, theoretically a holdover from a zealously devoted past life. Now that's more of the Western uh, type of experience. Uh, regardless of which extreme you may swing, the lesson of this polarity is to do your own thinking and to refine a strong and curious personal intellect. Do not expect gain in foreign countries, although you may pay off karmic debts through generous works in, area, in areas of international employment, law, education, or religion. There may be discomfort or baggage around religion. Past life recall in foreign lands may be ex exceptionally strong. Long journeys are not always advised and should, should major, major planets be currently transiting over your south node in Sagittarius. So I think that's another thing that we could experience. That's Judith Hill's book, The Lunar Nodes. Um, probably seeing less foreign travel. We've already seen that shift happen. Uh, maybe more involvement in our local communities just out of necessity because we're, we're not able to, maybe some of our, our international supply chains may be breaking down. Uh, and we may have to get more resourceful with, with uh, trying to figure out how to get what we need from our local communities. And that's already been, been uh, required of us throughout this global pandemic. Okay, so hopefully that will give you some idea about what we what might be experiencing as a collective. So mercurial things are coming in. The tide is coming. Mercury's tide is coming in. Jupiter's tide is going out. Okay. All right, let's move forward. So on Wednesday, the 6th, just a couple aspects on Wednesday, the 6th, but one important thing to talk about beyond that. Uh, on Wednesday, the 6th, we're going to see 
the moon making a square to, to Saturn. Okay, you can see that from Scorpio to Aquarius. And then the moon's gonna make an opposition to Uranus. So some unexpected things cropping up on Wednesday, uh, maybe some you know challenges with resources and with the plans that we've been trying to make and the, uh, the Taurian seeds that we've been planting running into some kind of conflict. And it could be due to some of the limitations that we're experiencing with the quarantine and social distancing. Um, so keep your eyes peeled with that. Uh, the other thing to keep an eye out for is that the moon, right as it uh, squares Saturn, is going to be going what's called under the bond. So it's going to be within its 15 degree orb of the opposition to the sun. And this is a point where the moon is sort of held captive. So something we may be trying to manifest, maybe we may have difficulty with it. And the moon has difficulty manifesting things in Scorpio anyway, uh, because it's in its fall. Um, the, the moon in Scorpio generally is a point of, I think, decay and of things leaving rather than manifesting. So even though we're, we're trying to build towards something, we may have this energy of, of potentially needing to let go of something first or running into a conflict or some sort of barrier to what we are trying to experience. And this is going to play out with our, our full moon story. And a full moon is going to be happening on, on Thursday the 7th. So what we're seeing here is, well, what we need to pay attention to is what happens when the moon goes under the bond. And that's going to happen very early in the morning, somewhere around 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's probably, that's the very beginning of our day, we're going to find some conflict to the manifestation that we're trying to make from this Taurus uh, new moon that we had previously in the cycle. Okay, so as we move forward into our full moon, as we move forward to the full moon on Thursday, full moon is going to be happening about 6.45 in the morning, okay, at 17 degrees of, oops, 17 degrees of Scorpio and Taurus in the second decan of each of them, respectively. Remember, full moons are always oppositions between the two lights, the sun and the moon. And what kind of players do we have in this game here? Well, we have Mercury pretty, pretty tightly, still tightly conjoining the sun is just starting to escape from that Kazemi, from that sort of being in the furnace of, of rebirth, that full moon phase, and now trying to get clarity as far as what that, what that means, and moving into the third decan of Taurus. So that's part of our story. Uh, we have Mars is the planet that is hosting the moon. So we have to take that into account. And then we have Venus is hosting the sun. All right, so what do we have going on here? Well, Venus is about to turn retrograde, so it's really slow. It wants to uh, perfect this trine with Mars, but it's being held back um, because it's going to station retrograde before it can complete the aspect. 
So I really think that this, this uh, full moon is going to feel, um, there's going to be some frustration because we're going to be wanting to uh, take some action. We're going to be wanting to complete what we've been working on, but we're going to have to kind of review the, the process. And this may be true for our relationships. Uh, there may be something that you are wanting to manifest physically with the, the new moon in, in Taurus, right? There may be some resources that you're trying to, to manifest. But when the moon moves into Scorpio, uh, one of the things that we look at with the two cards, uh, Austin Coppett calls the second decan of Scorpio uh, mutual distillation. And we have the six of, of pentacles and the six of cups. Uh, six of pentacles is Taurus and the six of cups is the second decan of Scorpio. So we were trying to manifest, we're trying to manifest some kind of charity, some kind of like consistency in our output. We're trying to, to grow the field uh, so that we can have later abundance. But what is required of us is some kind of cooperative effort. And this is where the conflict between wanting to do our own thing and needing to make adjustments to the people in our life is, is going to be important. And Austin talks about the second decan of Scorpio as merging with others, and, but potentially in a, in a codependent way where we, are, uh, we, can share, um, we can share good things or we can share uh, poisonous things. So you have to be careful about the people that you're working with and are you, uh, is it a healthy relationship? Is it something where you're creating interdependence rather than codependence? Um, there may be some situations in your life where you're feeling like you are um, becoming food for someone else, right? Like you're like, like a vampire, right? There could be some energy vampires in your life that, or you could be playing that role yourself. And that takes a lot of awareness to recognize that too, where you may be depending on someone and draining them, uh, where you need to have an equal exchange. So that, that is one of the themes that I think we're going to be experiencing. And what is, what is the moon drawing from? The moon is drawing from Mars being in this point of exile, where it's trying to sever uh, old attachments that no longer serve us anymore. Remember that that card was the seven of swords at the third decan of Aquarius, where we were experiencing a need to, to trying to figure out what we need to take with us from the old life and how what we're going to leave behind. And this may be one of the questions that, that crops up. And what Venus is asking us to do in the third decan of Gemini is to make a choice between all of the options that we have. Remember that third decan of, of Gemini was the Ten of Swords where we saw a figure that was laying on the ground and he, it was called Ruin. And this is a point where we had to, to, one of the twins had to die so that the other could live. And this is where, where, where we have all these, this profusion of, of options and we can't follow every single path. So I think that what we're trying to do here is figure out which of the options in front of us for the new life that we are trying to create is a path that we want to follow. And what I think that I'm hearing from my intuition is that we don't have all the information yet to make that decision. And that through these retrograde cycles, we're going to be reviewing all of those different paths yet again, so that we can make a more informed decision when the planets go direct. And that's going to cause some some frustration. And I will remind you 
And this is something that my teacher, Achutababa, aka Adam Ellenboss of Nightlight Astrology, uh, taught me about retrogrades. Is that retrogrades are a, a, when you have the, uh, the divine will takes over rather than the planetary will. Um, because when a planet's moving in retrograde, it's moving uh, in the primary motion that is related to the sun or the divine. When it's moving forward in zodiacal motion, it's moving in the, uh, in the motion of the moon, uh, the realm of fortune where things come into being and pass out of being. So this is an opportunity to get a, a divine course correction, especially as we prepare for all these planets moving backwards. My advice to you on this is that you don't necessarily have to do everything right now. I think it's more important that you gain clarity as to what you may be attempting to do and what is actually possible. And what may actually be possible right now may be vastly different than what was possible before and still is forming. And what may be possible may be more of an internal journey than an external one. Remember, our card of the week was the Eight of Cups, where this figure is going off into the wilderness of his mind, of his spirit, in search of a spiritual truth rather than leaving material success and material reality behind. And I think that this may be a time where if we could only just learn to live, I think, more humbly and with less we may uh, avoid some of the more extreme negative consequences that may crop up if we uh, are too fixated on tiny material details. And that, that echoes the, the hexagram we got. Um, so I would encourage you to take stock of what you have and see how you might sustain yourself through uh, what could be considered potentially a winter within the season of spring. I know that we're in the spring season and we're trying to promote growth, but we're in a global, more collective winter contraction. And I think that that's important to keep in mind as we go through this period of time as normal spring growth stuff is not necessarily in harmony with the more larger global contraction that we're being asked to come into alignment with. All right. So that is what I have for the full moon. Um, now, Mercury is going to be sextiling Neptune on that day also from 20 degrees of Taurus to 20 degrees of Pisces. Uh, well, let's talk about the third decan of Taurus because that plays into our story as well. Now, first of all, when Mercury makes a contact with Neptune, that can lead to some muddied thinking, some confusion, uh, a, a desire to escape, some escapist thoughts, some uh, illusion as to what is really happening. We may be having some viewing the world through some rose-colored glasses. Uh, and the seed of this sextile was uh, April 3rd, uh, at 19 degrees of, of Pisces is when Mercury last made its conjunction with Neptune. So this is kind of a, there's a harmony between these two right now, but it still could lead to some confused thinking. Um, and the third decan of Taurus, the third decan of Taurus 
has the correspondence with the seven of pentacles, as you can see here. And it has a figure that is leaning on his, on his hoe, <laughs> like he's leaning on his, uh, his garden tool and contemplating um, what is going to come next. He's, he's done the work. He's done the work of planting the seed. He's, he's consistently watered and fertilized the land. And now he has to wait. Now he has to be patient. Now he has to guard against pests and disease. And those are real things that manifest in the third decan of Taurus. Um, this, this decan is all about some of the decay that could threaten some of our best laid plans. Um, the card was called Failure and Success Unfulfilled. Now, Austin Coppett calls it a string of prayer beads. And I think that's really interesting, too, because we have the, the benefit of foresight now into potential problems with Mercury moving through this, this decan. And if we have an awareness of some of the things that could disrupt our plans, it may help us uh, to make better decisions. This can be thought of as like the, the point in time where you need to weed the garden and get rid of the things that aren't serving you and to, to take precautions against um, what could be uh, decay. Um, so we, what, the, what does this require of us? Well, piggybacking back to all of our planets going retrograde, this requires faith in the process. This requires letting go and letting God, right? Uh, the string of prayer beads, the power of prayer to overcome hubris. So humility is one of the, the main themes of this decan. So it would be of benefit for you to uh, humble yourself and say, and this is something that this, I will say, this is something that is really bothering me right now. So many people think that they know what is best for everyone right now, or that they know what's best for themselves, or that they, they're so sure that, you know, it's, this isn't a serious thing or whatever. And that's hubris. And hubris is greatest before the fall. And, and I, I'm, I've been trying to take the attitude that I don't know what this is all about. And I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to err on the side of, uh, you know, trying to protect my family and my, uh, my community. And if I have to give up some physical resources in the short term for the long-term gain of staying alive, then that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and hopefully that is uh, a humble approach. Now, some of you may be in different circumstances and you may argue, well, I, I don't have the luxury of staying home. And I, I feel you on that. And there's plenty of people out there that are having difficulty uh, with not, not working and with losing a lot of their income. And I guess what I would say is some of the people that are protesting to stay at home, maybe they're protesting the wrong things. Um, they're protesting, you know, needing to go back into a society that may be dangerous right now. Maybe they should be protesting that the, the government that was uh, tasked with taking care of people uh, isn't really providing the things that they need in, in a global crisis. Now, say what you will politically on both sides of the, of the spectrum about you know, personal responsibility versus collective actions. When we have, I think that you can think of it like this, and I think this makes the most common sense to me. When you have a question of, of something that requires personal responsibility, it, it may be easier to take those types of actions. 
when you have a circumstance that requires collective actions, then you may have to, to think about solutions that are collective. And I can't think of a better time than a global pandemic where there is a disease that if we, we don't cooperate with one another, we'll spread it to one another, that that may be the time to think about how we use and distribute our collective resources. And if you want to protest something, go protest the, the people that are consolidating all of those resources and hoarding them and not distributing them in a time of crisis. I, I think that's, that's where I stand on that. Um, because if there, like I said, if there's any time that we need something like a centralized, uh, unified response, it's during a time of global disease. So, I don't know. Uh, so this is what we're going to be experiencing with the, the Mercury moving through the third decan of Taurus. The sun will also be moving into that decan at the end of the week. So our collective consciousness, our, our collective thoughts, and our collective awareness are going to really be on how do we protect against, how to protect the crop against failure. And there may be something that we, we don't have control over. And sometimes acceptance and endurance is what we need. Sometimes we need to have faith in the process. And maybe faith in the process is having faith that staying home is going to eventually lead to an ability to rejoin society again. Um, and I know that that's difficult because we struggle with that as human beings. We struggle with not being able to, um, if we can't see it, it's not real. And that may be what we're tasked with at this full moon too, is having faith in the process and understanding that just because we can't necessarily see exactly the way out, that we don't have to rush through the process. All right. Um, let's move forward. Sorry for the scatteredness of it this week. Not feeling my most articulate. I'm going to blame Venus, Venus, Neptune. It's been a hard weekend all around. I wasn't feeling super well yesterday. Uh, I don't think I'm sick or anything. I think it just just had a headache and I ate some things that I don't normally eat and I paid the consequence for that with foggy thinking and I don't normally eat gluten stuff. It usually makes me feel bad and I had some pita. <laughs> I paid the price for it the next day. It just didn't make me feel good all day. But Venus, Neptune, right? And Neptune, I'll tell you, Neptune is a, it's not like this airy fairy planet it, it 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 to me my experience of neptune is it just takes the wind completely out of your sails it just clouds your thinking and makes you feel like you know just really bad and toxic i've, I've my experience of that's been my experience when i've had neptune transits it's, i just feel um like not able to function and and i'm curious to hear your neptune experiences because that's uh leave them in the comments if you have them because uh Remember, Neptune, according to uh, some of the Hellenistic um, people, uh, it was of the nature of Saturn because of it was conjoining Saturn and in the sign of Aquarius at its discovery chart. That's one theory of these outer planets. So Saturn is denial, is like, uh, you know, thinking about things in a way that's very mm, in the dark, like keeping yourself in the dark. It's a lack of awareness. 
And I, I feel that. I feel that. I felt definitely the weight of things with, with Neptune transits. Anyway, moving forward to Friday the 8th. Friday the 8th, we just have one aspect. And that happens at about 6.30 a.m. Where we're seeing the moon sextiling from Sagittarius. It moves into Sagittarius at about 3.15 a.m. Uh, still in the full moon phase, and then we have a sextile with Saturn. So there could be something that comes to light that we don't like, that has its difficulty, that is difficult uh, in, in our manifestation plans. And then once the moon moves into Sagittarius, maybe we are coming more into acceptance of that, and we're going to be a little bit in, in, in harmony with our limitations. Now, another interesting ha thing happens uh, on Friday is the moon will escape the bond at three degrees. Whoops. Whoa. Sorry, my cursor is going crazy. Um, it will escape the bond at about three degrees, and that's when it's outside of the 15-degree opposition of the sun. So here at three degrees of Sagittarius, that's when the moon's kind of making its first kind of appearance. And the first aspect it makes usually gives us uh, some sort of insight into how we're going to be experiencing this lunation. And we're going to be having an opposition to Venus. Now, I don't know if you include the outer planets in this. I mean, obviously, the Hellenistic authors didn't. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the, that the first aspect that from a non traditional planet is to Neptune. So I would say that there's probably going to be a period of confusion and, and dissolving of energy and then like the wind going out of our sails. And then it's going to be challenging to our relationships and, and our desire to bring things into harmony. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And this is really at the point where Venus is about to go retrograde too. That's why I think this, uh, excuse me, this particular full moon, it's, it, you know, a lot of times we feel like things come to a head or things come to a culmination. I really have the feeling that this full moon is going to feel like we're just being held in a, in a, you know, a landing pattern. Like we're not, we're not really allowed to, to um, manifest what we, what we desire. And that's going to feel frustrating. And we're going to have to backtrack a little bit and, and review the plan. All right. So let's move forward to Saturday here. On Saturday, May 9th, Moon is still going to be in Sagittarius. And we have a couple uh, lunar aspects for this day. At 1.30 p.m., Moon's going to be squaring Neptune, as I said. And then the next aspect is going to be the opposition with Venus. So uh, we may see the inklings of this happening on Friday when the moon escapes the bond, but then they're going to come to full, full fruition or we're going to really start to see what the ramifications of this full moon fully are as we see the squared Neptune and the opposition to Venus on Saturday afternoon. So a build up to that. Um, Mercury will also be trining a retrograde Pluto on Saturday. So we've got Mercury potentially 
having us review thoughts of like mm, thoughts from the underworld may start bu bubbling up. Uh, we may have some dark thinking. We may be, uh, you know, getting some messages from from the depths of our subconscious. <laughs> we may be feeling like uh, having some obsessive thinking. Uh, the danger of this could be some fanatical uh, mental fixation where we're going towards the worst case scenario of things. Now it is a trine, so that is is good. Although I will say that Mercury is pretty darn close to the fixed star Algol, which is at 26 degrees of Taurus. So my thought on this is that uh, we may be getting some news we don't like at the, at the full moon, and then we may have the potential to start losing our heads about it. Um, and we've already, I've already seen this um, in my home state where people are getting really you know, out of control and being very um, using intimidation tactics to try to get what they want. And we may see an increase in things like that, unfortunately. Um, and I, I really, I really hope that all the people that are out there, you know, trying to help run our state and our government and our, our country are, you know, stay safe. Um, I saw a video that was pretty disturbing of uh, one of our state representatives from our district here in Ann Arbor in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And he was talking about just being, having to go to work. Many of the lawmakers there uh, had to wear, felt that they had to wear bulletproof vests and um, were really afraid. They were, had a lot of fear and um, I don't know. My thought is this is uh, not that far removed from uh, domestic terrorism if it isn't outright domestic terrorism. Anytime you're trying to get what you want through force and intimidation, that's, that's terrorism. And I, I, I hope that cooler heads begin to prevail, um, but we'll see. All right. On Sunday, yeah, so watch out for that on Saturday. And this is true in your personal life too. Try not to freak out if you're not able to get everything you want. Uh, just take a deep breath. Have some patience. Do some meditation. Um, there's a process that's playing out that's bigger than just your than just tomorrow and just next week and just next month. This is a much bigger shift, and you, your life is gonna. I think you're gonna have an easier time uh, navigating your life if you see all this in a greater context. And it's gonna require change. I'm sorry, but this we're not going to be able to continue on the way that we always have. And the sooner that people start to accept that, I think the, the, the easier the transition is going to be. When we resist, what we resist will, will persist. Um, so let go of the oars and let go of the, of the AK-47s or the AR-15s and, and open your arms to change because it's coming, whether you like it or not. Um, on Sunday the 10th, yeah, this may be the last gasp of people trying to hang on to that more material consciousness, right? And I get it. You know, we're creatures of habit. We don't, nobody likes to feel like they're losing things. And again, this is something that may be unique to uh, our Western civilization or more, more prevalent in Western civilization. It doesn't mean that People in Eastern cultures just 
love losing things <laughs> like but but on, on if you think about it just from that philosophical shift you know losing your material possessions or your material reality hopefully can bring you in an increased awareness of your spiritual life and your and your eternal spirit soul and and i hope that that's something that people will embrace um it's a lot to ask it's not it's not for everybody but uh those of you that are following along with what i'm doing here hopefully you're on somewhat of that journey, that spiritual path. And we'll see. We'll see how it all turns out. On Sunday, the 10th, the moon is in Capricorn, um, where it's in its exile. We may be feeling a little, a little burnt out, a little exhausted from our full moon experience. The moon's going to be making a sextile to Mars at 2.10 a.m. before it leaves Sagittarius. And then it's going to be um, moving into Capricorn at 5.38 a.m. Two non-lunar aspects of the day. Mercury is going to be making a trine to Jupiter from Taurus to Capricorn. So again, this may increase some of those uh, thoughts of that fear of loss. Uh, again, that third decan of Taurus. This is still really close to Algol, but maybe you know, really fearing, um, not having enough. And when we have a contact with Jupiter, especially a fallen Jupiter, that could really get out of hand. Um, and then the sun makes a sextile to Neptune from 20 degrees of Taurus to 20 degrees of Pisces. So important for us to kind of stay grounded and not get, uh, not have an illusion about what's happening and maybe start to really uh, come to terms with the, the reality of our situation. This could be also a very spiritual aspect as well, um, where if we do the required work of humbling ourselves, a contact with Neptune could provide the opportunity for a transcendent awareness for some sort of awareness of a higher purpose. Um, it also could be a dissolving of boundaries or, or we could also feel the wind going out of our sails a little bit. Maybe difficult finding a new identity throughout this. You know, sun, sun was associated with how we identify and awareness that we have. So there may be some confusion about who or what we're, we are going to be um, throughout this whole thing. And again, I would say just have patience with yourself. Now at 1 a.m. or so, the sun has moved into the third decan of Taurus. So all of the things I talked about with Mercury uh, were going to apply to the sun and where we may be seeing just, you know, hubris and questions of hubris and humility uh, paranoia about uh, threatening resources. We may see a lot of people complaining that they're that they are losing things, and that they are you know getting very upset about it. Um, there may be an ability, though. One of the gifts of this decade is ability an ability to recover after setbacks, um, and and this is something that I think to focus on is eventually there will be an, a recovery phase. It may look a little different than you think. Um, but there's an amazing resiliency to, to human beings and the human species. And that's been one of the, the hallmarks of, if you study history and human evolution over time, is our ability to adapt is something that's kept us uh, from, from perishing. And I think that's going to be asked of us, with, especially with the nodes moving into Gemini, is our adaptability. Mercury is, someone who, is somebody who wants to adapt to circumstances rather than saying, I'm going to, you know, do this because this is what I believe. No, it's about seeing the other viewpoint. It's about listening. It's about 
thinking of things from a, an alternative perspective. It's about weighing many different options. So that I think that a flexibility is something that is going to be uh, important as we move forward. Okay, I think that's what I've got in this meandering ramble of a forecast this week. Uh, and I'm not done here because looking ahead, we have a lot of things that are going to be happening next week. Uh, on the 11th through the 17th, Saturn's going to be stationing retrograde at one degree of Aquarius. Mercury is going to be squaring Mars at 28 degrees of Taurus to Aquarius. Mercury is going to be moving into the sign of Gemini into its own domicile. So that is, we, we will have a period of clarity, I think, with, with Mercury and Gemini where it's in its own home sign. That's good. Um, that is something that where it will be very functional. Um, Tuesday, will, the 12th, we'll have Mercury making a trine to that newly retrograde Saturn. So uh, some ideas potentially on what's going to, or some messages that may uh, tell us what we need to do um, to review some of the changes we've been making. Mars is then going to move out of Aquarius and into the sign of Pisces on the 13th, the same day that Venus stations retrograde. So uh, it's gonna, the world's going to look very different next week. Everything you've been experiencing over the last few weeks is going to get a, a whole new divine assignment, basically. On Thursday, the 14th, Jupiter's going to station retrograde at 27 degrees of Capricorn. And then Friday, we're going to have a trine between the Sun and Pluto uh, at 24 degrees. And on Sunday, a trine between the Sun and Jupiter. So the Sun shining light on that Jupiter-Pluto area that we've been experiencing in Capricorn from the third decan of Taurus. Whew, that's a lot of astrology. And I'll have to break that down for you next week. Um, I'm going to see if I can maybe post the forecasts potentially on Saturday. Uh, let me know in the comments if, the, if that's something that you'd be okay with. I'm trying to uh, reshuffle my schedule a little bit so I can have some time off on the weekend to be more in alignment with like the time that other people have time off, like my family, and spend some time with them where I'm not just scrambling to get these things out. Um, so that may be something moving forward. But anyway, uh, I hope that you are having a good week or that you're hanging in there. I know it's a struggle and I know that it's frustrating, but hang in there. This too shall pass. And uh, it's easier to flow with the changes if you practice some point of acceptance. There will be some, some time periods where we will have to uh, protest and we will have to, uh, you know, I don't know, make our voices heard. Make sure it's for the right thing, though. Make sure it's for the, uh, some sort of divinely inspired ideal or the good of the collective rather than a selfish need. I think that that, that is what I would encourage you to think about this, this week. And, uh, yeah, and if you're enjoying these, these forecasts, make sure you hit the like button and the share button. Um, if you want to support the work I do, there's a couple of links there for Venmo or PayPal Me. And as always, uh, if you want a reading, reach out and I'd be happy to help you out. Um, that's a great way to understand all these retrogrades too, because these are going to be personal transits as well. The, the, uh, these different areas of your chart are going to undergo a review and I can help you figure that out if that's something that uh, would be beneficial. All right. So that's what I've got for this week. Everybody hang in there and I will talk to you soon. Peace.